like anime titties, this is the anime movie for you. Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark's Movie Reviews, a spoiler-free discussion detailing the good, the bad, and the downright ridiculous of anime movies. I'm your host Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and tonight I am joined by our czar of source material, John. It's almost like you forgot what my title was there for a second, you know? <laughs> I was trying to do dramatic pauses. I don't know why I just tried to do that, but I, I was. Well, It didn't turn out very good. Maybe because I don't appear very often anymore, but I, hello guys, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. hey, hey, you're, you're, you're busy behind the scenes. People, people might not realize just how much you do behind the scenes, like especially with the audio editing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that in every like in any company you work for at any type of job, right? The people working in the background to make sure that the upfront is up and running and everything you're, on your day-to-day is running. Like there's a lot of work that actually goes into a lot of things that happen around every day and the people who work mm-hmm. in on back-end stuff, they're the supporting like spine and no one knows that. Yeah, you never you never see him. But uh it's always it's always good to have you on and and thank you for all the audio editing you do for us <laughs> yeah we love you john oh yeah hey so we just recorded this and you have 48 hours to get us the next episode out like all right bet let's go <laughs> let's fucking do it guys <laughs> i like how i'll just send you that and just run away and it's like you'd be like hmm. <laughs> like okay whatever i guess <laughs> it's the life of an editor <laughs> Yep. Uh, but tonight, you and I have gotten together because we are doing a spoiler-free review of the 2009 Takeshi Koike anime film, Red Line. Woo! Red Line! Woo! Red Line! Directed by Takeshi Koike. And the fucking intro will tell you that. <laughs> what a great way to introduce the director, though. Just have it at, right at the end of the intro sequence. Just directed by Takeshi Koike. Yeah, and they even have it voiced. Um, so, yeah. did you watch Redline in sub or dub? Um, so, for the rewatch that I did in preparation for this review, I watched the English dub. Okay, so I've only watched Redline in the English dub. Like originally in like two thousand and I want to say twelve or thirteen when I first watched it, and then mm. on my rewatch, I also watched it in dub because I I fucking love the English dub for the movie because it's so <laughs> dumb. Like <laughs> it is, but it is pretty good. I I would say that um in terms of the English dub, most of the the people voicing the characters do fit those characters pretty well, and they do a pretty good job. There's maybe one or two characters here and there that I think maybe give a little bit of a flat performance, but overall, it's a really good English dub. Yeah, so I I wasn't sure if um I probably should have tried to rewatch the Japanese one for a little bit, but uh, it is what it is now. Because <laughs> I remember at the uh end of the opening sequence that um the singer lady or the announcer lady mm. the, the voiceover lady was like directed by takeshi koiki <laughs> like <laughs> what that that is that's so rare of a thing to happen right but i mean yeah i feel like having that voiceover lady um say that at the end of the opening sequence fit perfectly with the theme of the or not really the theme but with the um theme no i don't, I don't want to say what what is the word i'm looking for here the aesthetic the aesthetic thank you so much it it fits really well with the aesthetic of the entire fucking movie mm. 
Um, but yeah, so obviously as the, the film itself will tell you straight up, yes, this was directed by Takeshi Koike. It was his directorial debut, um, which hell of a thing to give someone for their directorial debut. Um, a giant hand-drawn mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the screen, the screenplay itself was, uh, written by three people, Katsuhito Ishii, Yoji Enokido, and Yoshiki Sakurai. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything out there that would like stick out about these people have written besides, um, Redline. I do know that, um, Enokido did do some of the writing for bunk, the Bungo Stray Dogs anime. Um, and he also wrote, uh, at least part of the novelization of Fooly Cooly. It took three people to write this story. Are you fucking kidding me? Or as the movie, no, as the movie puts it, are you shitting me? <laughs> Are you shitting me? No, there are, literally took three people to write this. Um, and wow, that's um, kind of surprising. Uh, so- <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sakurai was also the screenwriter of multiple episodes of seasons one and two of Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Well, so uh, there's that. <laughs> see, I will talk about this later about the writing, but I'm surprised that it had three people writing the story. Though, now that I think about it, I guess it kind of makes sense, because there's, like, three main story elements, I would say, right, to this film. But, um, it looks nice. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the film itself was produced by Madhouse. Uh, Madhouse, I would say, at, at the time, was probably at their prime, or nearing their prime. This was, you know, uh, pre- modern madhouse which seems to have lost most of its staff (laughs) yeah unfortunately yeah um and and before we got multiple seasons of overlord showing us exactly why madhouse shouldn't do multiple seasons of anime yeah well season four is still coming out and i don't really care because i get more overlord so yeah, um, the uh, red line was first screened. Uh, this was actually something I didn't know before I went in and, and researched this. It was first screened at the uh, Locarno Film Festival in Switzerland on August fourteenth, two thousand and nine. And in fact, it was screened in multiple countries uh, around the world uh, throughout two thousand nine and early two thousand ten. And it didn't actually release in Japan until October ninth of twenty ten. Um, in fact, it was one of the last countries that the film debuted in, surprisingly. Um, That's really weird, film, but I guess it is, like it's, it's um, very weird. Like I've seen I've seen anime films like debut at film festivals before, before they have a wider release, but not this many countries before it debuts in Japan. That's probably because Redline isn't very Japanese, so I don't think they thought the mm. domestic market would be great, right? Cause, well, they were absolutely right about that because it was made on a budget of around thirty million U.S. dollars, not adjusted for inflation, and only made back about eight point two million of those dollars. Yeah, this is your classic. I, I, if you told me this was a box office flop, I would not have doubted you for a second because mm. I just it does not seem like an so two thousand early two thousand tens, actual two thousand ten. Um. Anime movies weren't big yet, like we've talked about before in the past. Like, anime movies just don't do well overseas. Uh, that was true all the way until, like, 
I guess in I know, your name. Ghibli does really well overseas, but that's because it's on home release, right? I don't think. Well, that and it's also distributed by Disney. It's distributed by Disney. It's marketed towards kids. And as we've talked about before, animated films, not just anime films, but animated films were generally geared towards kids. So circa mid 2010 that we haven't seen that shift yet. It wasn't really until like I'd say about 2015 that we saw a shift in the dynamic of uh, anime films that aren't meant for kids doing well in uh, non I was gonna say non domestic market, but in the Western world, really, that's really what it means overseas. Yeah, um, like I, I said, like I said, your name probably was like the first really big example of that, which came in 2016. Yeah, so. Um, I will say that the the box office revenue that I did mention doesn't include subsequent home video releases or any theatrical re-releases. I couldn't find any information on that. I do know that it has since become somewhat of a cult classic, so I feel like it's probably made at least a little bit more than eight point two million at, at this point, based solely on like you know home video like Blu-ray DVD sales. I highly um, doubt that it's still it even made up its budget of 30 million. Oh no. I, no, not I don't think it I don't think it ever made back its money, but I do think it's made more than 8.2 million dollars since. Yeah, probably like 8.3, dude. <laughs> yeah, 8.3, 8.4, probably not more than 9 million dollars, but I I it's probably made a little bit more than that in home video releases, I would I would guess. Um, based on the fact that it has become a cult classic and and despite the fact that it um it didn't it was sort of a financial failure, it a lot of people did seem to like it, so, uh, and a lot of that has come since it was in theaters. Uh, and the film itself has a total runtime of 102 minutes, so just over an hour and a half. Um, so let's talk about, like, one of the big selling points of Red Line, and that is its art and animation. Um, unlike a lot of modern anime movies, uh, this movie almost exclusively relies on hand-drawn animation, and it shows. That's why it was so fucking expensive. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, that's also something to point out, that this film was in production for a very long time, which is part of why it had such a huge budget. Um, it, this was kind of in development hell for almost a decade, like going on seven plus years that this thing was in development hell. And it became almost ruinously, ruinously expensive for Madhouse. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why they would spend seven years trying to develop this fucking film, but I can definitely tell you that at the end they decided, fuck it, we're just going to do whatever we want now, because mm. it's so, this entire uh, film is so wacky, and it shows in everything, even like the art and animation, like uh, it's it's so over the top stupid, I almost thought this was a trigger film, or anime, to be honest, like it's so yeah. over the top. Um, but a lot of that, uh, the hand-drawn animation gets shown off in, uh, its racing sequences. Cause ostensibly this is an anime about racing. Um, NASCAR Japan is pretty fucking crazy. Isn't it, John? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I look at this film and I wonder, is this what the Japanese think we Americans like about NASCAR? Cause they're pretty fucking close. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're not that far <laughs> off to be perfectly honest. Oh God. Um, but yeah, like the, the racing, the racing sequences are pretty intense, especially that opening sequence where you're watching the yellow line race. Like it's really well done. 
Oh, I fucking love it's a great introduction the... to the, the racing that you're going to see later yeah, on. Yeah, I love how they established the opening scene, like, the, the like the um how the movie's gonna be with Yellow Line. Like, first of all, Sweet JP, the main character, quote-unquote main character, I don't really know if he, yeah, he, I guess he's the main character. Uh, he's driving a fucking Trans Am 2000, which is like, again, and, and everyone, so this, the scene is set in ambiguously ambiguous point in the future ambiguous point in the future where there's alien races robots and stuff like that and flying fucking machines right and here comes this dude in a fucking trans am racing against like spaceships like does that not sound fucking wacky to you yeah it's 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 fucking crazy and like a lot like you said it's very reminiscent of something you might see in trigger uh trigger anime um but I love it. It's one of the greatest like opening sequences to an anime movie ever because it tells you exactly what you're going to get. Like you're not going to get some deep probing exploration of like the human condition. You're just going to get crazy fucking action sequences listed one after the other. I mean, I can. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in the narrative quality and pacing part. But I would say that because of this establishing scene, it kind of ruins the midpoint of the movie. A little bit. It's. I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll we'll talk. If I remember, we'll talk about that later. But uh, <laughs> what I did really like was how whenever characters were talking to each other, like one on one, like they're not racing or anything or like that, right? They're just like talking to each other. It felt like the camera shots were done shaky, and it felt like it was like done in real life, where someone has a shoulder, like cam. someone actually holding a camera. Yeah. And I was just like, that's so, that's a weird thing to do when you're doing anime, especially when you're not doing like POV anime stuff, right? Like it makes sense uh, when people are doing the shake, camera shake, when they're doing POV stuff. But this one was like kind of framed like they were filming a real life movie, which was, I thought was interesting. It made it a little bit more uh, interesting in my opinion when they did things like that, right? Instead of just framing weird angles and basically just getting shots of people's tits and ass. Which, oh my god, there's a gratuitous amount of in this movie. <laughs> yes, there are. There like if, if you if you like anime titties, this is the anime movie for you because there are uncensored, like flopped out anime titties, and it's nice. There's only one pair of uncensored titties in the movie, to be honest. And they're nice. Yeah, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I definitely didn't expect to see uh nudity in the movie when I first watched it, because I like I guess at the time my exposure to Japanese media was that unless it was hentai, you would never see anything like close to like tits. You'd see like God rays and stuff. You wouldn't see the fucking nips is what I'm saying. Yeah. You'd see, you'd see like the steam, like the sensor steam or like, yeah, like you said, the God rays that would come down and sensor or like, you know, someone holding their arm over, but you'd never actually see the nipples. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. Uh, was this rated R? This had to have been rated R, right? I believe the movie, yes, was rated R in the U.S. Or Peggy 18 for any of you non-Americans out there. Um, I, I actually, I, I don't, I'm looking on the Wikipedia page and I can't actually see any rating, um, information. So I, I don't actually know. I would assume it was rated R though. For theatrical releases. And whatever equivalent that is overseas uh, outside yeah. of the U.S. Because I'm pretty sure people don't use um, 
same one, same M- MPAA. Is that, is that what we have? Yeah, MPA. Yeah, I I don't I don't know what it, what the equivalent is in every single country out there. But yeah, I think in the U.S. at least the theatrical release was rated R. It had to have been. There was tits. <laughs> yeah, but there were titties in there. So I'm yeah, there had it had, and they say fuck. Yeah, they curse quite a lot. And let me can we can we talk about the um, voice acting? For just a tiny bit. Sure, because I was going to bring up the uh, the OST here in just a second anyway, so that's a good uh, segue into it. I fucking love the English voice acting in this movie. Because the movie is so fucking goofy, all the characters who, uh, all the English voice actors really lean into their roles. Like Sweet JP, mm. the main character, uh, Frisbee, uh, the old man, Sonashi, all the characters. They lean into their roles, and I fucking love it. <laughs> Like, General Volton at one point was like, I need you to stop playing around with those wannabe cosplayers from a fucking bad porno or something. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what kind it does of seem line? Like, it, it does seem like to a certain degree they did let the, the English dub voice actors have a little fun in the recording studio. Uh, and it it was great, to be honest. It It really sold me on the fact that this is just a film that's just meant to be fun like it was so good uh i kind of wish i tried to watch it in japanese a little bit just so i could get a feel for like i i mean as if anyone's been around long enough they know uh, like 80 percent to 90 percent of uh, anime viewers just prefer japanese audio i don't know why that is yeah. maybe because we and we've mentioned it here on this podcast that those of us on the podcast do typically watch japanese dubs over english dubs like more often than not yeah i'm i'm definitely part of the japanese sub um japanese dub english sub supremacy like camp but th- that's not to say i don't enjoy english voice acting because in things like again like this film it's just so wacky that i love it right it's like uh, yeah. it's like ghost stories. To be honest, <laughs> God, at some point we got to do an episode of this podcast dedicated to ghost stories. We really do. Everyone in the anime community knows ghost stories. We don't need to talk about it any more than it's ready. It's been memed to death, man. Everyone knows about it. It has, at the very least, I want to host a watch part in our server because God, is it funny? Yeah, and you guys could come if you know if you join our Discord server. You guys can do our watch-alongs as well. Uh, Alex does it at yeah. least once a week, I think. Uh, it, it's it, lately it's been that way. Um, sometimes a couple of times a week. Um, but yeah, like right now we have a, a watch party going for eighty-six, um, and it's it's going pretty good so far. Uh, but yeah, at some point I want to do a watch-along for. Um, for ghost stories just because the dub is hysterically funny after all these years um but one thing you mentioned uh, since you mentioned you know uh voice acting one thing i wanted to bring up was the ost um so the ost is done by james shimoji um and a lot of the tracks have like a they lean somewhat heavily into like an edm aesthetic and i kind of like it so i feel like the rise of edm was Generally in this era of time, right? 2009, 2002. Yeah, yeah late, late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like that might be it, but I didn't hate it. I actually really enjoyed the soundtrack for this movie um, for what it's worth. Uh, I wouldn't say it's amazing. Like, it's not, there's nothing, because again, the movie isn't very deep and there's nothing like tugging at your heartstrings or anything like that. So 
during the high paced high octane like moments in the movie like the racing and stuff it's like oh yeah fucking party music let's fucking go you know (laughs) and then during the softer moments they're like yeah jazz man yeah um i don't know i i i kind of liked it um but it's not very deep none of the none of the tracks really like resonate where they that to the point where I need to listen to them outside of the movie. I just thought that, especially during the racing scenes, like that EDM, that, that, oomch, 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 like that really, uh, that really complimented a lot of the action you were seeing on screen. Yeah. And again, so like in the very opening sequence with Yellow Line, if you watch the first, I think that it lasts like what, 10, 15 minutes, right? Yellow Line. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the Yellow Line part, you basically get the gist of the movie. <laughs> like that's pretty much that's how I mean, the movie that's how the movie is going to be the entire time. So if you didn't like the first 15 minutes, I'm sorry to say you might not like Red Line, but that's okay. It's not supposed to be um word of the day here is fun. It's a fun film. Yeah. I wouldn't say you have to um, turn off your brain to enjoy it like I do for some other shows I like to watch, but this is definitely just something that you watch to fill the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not deep, um, but it is fun. And at it's least like... the scoring isn't bad, and the sound effects aren't too bad either. Like, that's one thing. So, a lot of people don't understand. <laughs> Maybe because I'm an audio guy, I don't really know. But when good audio is good, you don't notice it. When great audio is yeah. good, you you might notice it. When audio is bad, you will 100% notice it. And it's one yeah. of those really, like shitty things because it's like well you don't want it to be bad right but as long as it's not bad no one's gonna fucking care or notice and even if it's amazing or great barely any people are gonna notice so that's why like uh at least for the music industry (laughs) uh there's a lot of jobs drying out and they're going to more of a um we'll ask someone on fiverr to do it for like 50 bucks (laughs) Yeah, it's turned into more of a gig industry because of that, and it's a really sad thing. I definitely well, it's like um I, f- I forget who it was. I I think it was someone at, at Rockstar. Uh, funnily enough, that said that the best uh sound design is the kind you don't notice because it's again super apparent when you have bad sound design. Like if you had mm. stock, everyone can recognize stock, right? Everyone knows stock sounds. Fucking Halo has stock sounds. <laughs> Or the the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, like, everyone can recognize those, and everyone will notice it, and everyone will say something about it. But if you've got okay sound design, no one's going to notice it. Because it's kind of just to be expected at this point. And I feel like Redline is at that point with its um, sound design where it was okay, it was good, so there's nothing stand out about it, because it wasn't amazing. Um... When sound design is only really, it only really sticks out when you've got a really strong score because, you know, they play on each other. The sound design with the scoring of, like, the movie. Yeah. They should be playing around with each other and enhancing one another. I'd say in Redline, the scoring was just, it was tied to the movie's pacing and tied to the movie's, like, entire, like, um, aura. What the fuck did you say earlier? Aesthetic. Aesthetic. (laughs) Uh... Word of the day, boys and girls, aesthetic. Can you tell I just woke up? Because I can't fucking think right now. But <laughs> Welcome to my life every day. 
Oh, poor baby. But yeah, the the scoring to me was tied to the aesthetic of the movie. So that's always high octane fun. It was, again, word of the day also, fun. But the sound design itself was just okay. Like, I, it wasn't bad. And that's a good thing. I will say one one aspect of the sound design I particularly liked was the, the sound of the engines and all the different racing machines. Like, they all sounded different. I mean, in my opinion, I thought they could have added a little bit more sound effects for, like, rattling of the engine. Because those things are kicking fucking hard, bro. Like if you've, if, Yeah, especially JP's car. If you've ever been inside of a fucking muscle car, like a Trans Am, with fucking... A t- giant turbo fucking hydrogen fucking nuclear fission reactor engine that's just gonna be loud and then when his uh engine's roaring revving and it's bucking back and forth you'll fucking hear that man like and it's, it's like it's worth noting that like even in real life most cars that are sitting on the red line are gonna start shaking and rattling and rolling down the road yeah and to me, that's that's one of those little things where it's like, it's just because I'm into cars, right? I fix cars. I like racing bikes. I like, I used to be into um, supercars and racing and stuff like that. I'm not so much into it anymore. It was more of a younger me thing, but I still like cars. I like supercars and stuff still. So I, I know a little bit about it. And to me, it's like, well, I, I feel like 80% of your viewership probably don't know anything about cars. So they they can get away with it. Plus, it's anime. You know, you've got to suspend your disbelief because again, it's yeah. a fucking Trans Am racing against spaceships. <laughs> and the and the other and the other vehicles are like futuristic machines that look like they've all been custom made for a purpose. So I mean, they can make whatever sound you really want them to make. Yeah, and they can do whatever they want to do. It's fine. Yeah. However, I just felt like the um that part of sound design was lacking. I, I, Cause to me, I would have liked to have that feedback. And it's one of those things where it would have just enhanced the experience. It wouldn't have made it amazing or like took it over the top. It just would have mm-hmm. enhanced it slightly. So I, I get yeah. why you wouldn't want to spend the money on it. Cause it's like, it doesn't really, cause if you don't uh, spend money on it, it doesn't detract from the product. And that's why people yeah. don't usually spend money on sound design. Because it's like, well, as long as it doesn't detract from the enjoyment of the viewers or the players, whatever, because I'm, I'm thinking in game terms too, um, it, it really doesn't matter. So it depends on how polished of a product you want to ship, right? That, that's really what, at the end of the day, what it comes down to. And For a un- great real world example, see Halo 3. And unfortunately for a lot of uh, companies out there, they care more about profit margins, so why should they spend an extra $500,000 on sound design when, if they don't spend it, it's still not going to make the film any more money? <laughs> yeah. And it just makes your profit margin that much thinner. Yeah. Because if it, it, if it doesn't add money and it only takes way money, there's no point to doing it, really. Yeah. Um, so you brought up pacing before um, in regards to how the, the score of the movie kind of pushes it along um that's one thing i definitely wanted to talk about um so the first half of this movie is kind of paced like you would think for like your average um like action oriented anime movie and then like by the second or roughly around this the second half mark the fucking pacing takes off like at warp fucking speed yeah because all right so when you mentioned that this was written by three people i said this was definitely written by three people because there's basically three sections to this movie, okay? The opening sequence, which establishes, like, the um, 
the mood of the, the movie. race and the, like the yeah. world that they're like every, like i don't think it's every planet but a lot of planets have a blue line race which is like a first chance qualifier yellow line is the last chance qualifier and then like the big championship race is the red line race yeah so that's like the very first scene then we have the middle scene which is basically um introduction to each character that's going to be in the race there's like eight racers i believe or 10 racers I forget the exact amount that's in the final race, but yeah, a lot of the uh, the racers that are in the red line race get introduced during the yellow line race. Well, not only that, um, during the middle part of the movie, when they're prepping for red line, they introduce mm. each and every character for a little bit. Like yes. they, they, each of them gets their like, like five a documentary minutes. series. Yeah, because it's like it's one of those uh, like you know with real racing in real life, they're doing interviews with the racers. So they'll like they'll do an interview with the racer, and then the racer will go and do something. They're like to prepare for red line. Either it's going to be um, some of them are doing things for the uh, red line racing committee, where they have like because mm. they're they're supposed to race on this planet. And this planet is like no, we don't want racers here. So they got to sabotage the planet to race on this planet. So so you have like these wacky characters just introducing themselves, doing stupid shit. <laughs> And again, yeah. it fits really well with the movie. It's stupid and it's funny, but it was really. Oh, I, I like how there's a couple of them that are also doing like sponsor plugs as well, which is very. It's just like real life how racers in real life will do sponsor plugs. Yeah, and it's a it's a fun way, in my opinion, to introduce all the racers, but it does drag a little bit, in my opinion, because that's why like the ending is so. Well, I guess the ending is breakneck speed because the third. The last third of the movie is basically just the final race, right? And it's it goes race. it goes by so fast. I I would have actually liked to see a little bit more, like I'd say about 15-ish, 20-ish more minutes of the actual red line racing. Mm. Because I just feel like that mid part was it just went on for too long in my opinion. Like mm. why would you go like if if the very first third was 1 for 1, the second third would be like a 1 for 0.5. And then the second half would be a one for two ratio of speed, yeah. right? And it's just like, why? Just divide that up, bro. Why would it's you like, do this? I know that the plot is uh, based around racing, but that doesn't mean you have to race through the plot. I just would have liked to see more racing because, unfortunately, um, I, I feel like the ending, after all that introduction that they do for the characters, right, in the mid part, in the mm-hmm. second, third, the last third, they kind of just breeze past a bunch of characters. Like there's, I, I, I mentioned this, and we did we did a watch party for this movie on our server, and a couple of the people in there were talking about it afterwards. And I mentioned to them like it would be kind of cool to have actually seen some of the blue line races that they talk about. Um, not necessarily at the very beginning, because I actually think the yellow line race was a great way to introduce it, but maybe through flashbacks showed parts of the blue line races. So you get more like about what these characters are about so that when it does come to the final race and you see like, you know, these characters racing, like it means more that they get knocked out. Yeah. See, and, and that's kind of the problem with the second, uh, third. It's just, it spends five minutes per character, basically per racer introducing them and showing them something that they do in the film and then they get knocked out and then you're like oh okay (laughs) yeah it's like i don't feel anything for this it's like it literally you just you said that this set dressing that you developed is not there anymore okay i don't care yeah but i mean that again goes along with theme of redline it's (laughs) it's just supposed to be stupid fun and it is stupid fun 
And it is. And I like and that kind of just goes into like I feel like some of the secondary characters in the le- red line race could have been developed a little more, but it, it's kind of, you know, whatever. One thing about this movie though is the villains that are in it are are they're cart- and I, I use villains in quotation marks. They are cartoonishly evil. Um, I which again, fucking it's love fun. the space Nazis. <laughs> That's literally what they are though. <laughs> they're so cartoonishly evil and stupid. It's um, so dumb. <laughs> they they are. And it's like, so ostensibly you have a plot that is developed around a couple of things. Like, yeah, there's this race that's going on. People are trying to get there and get to it. I get it. That That's actually okay. But then you have this like B plot that's going on in the background, which eventually comes to the forefront of this planet that's ruled by an evil tyrant, which they're essentially space Nazis called Robo World. Um, and, just the cartoonishly evil ways they go about trying to get this race not to happen. I think it's super hilarious. <laughs> I just, I just, it is like again, if you're if you're going in expecting something deep, you're going to be really disappointed by this. But the fact if you go in expecting just harmless fun, it's actually really like funny and interesting to watch this like unfold because the, not only are they cartoonishly evil, they are cartoonishly incompetent. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like that's what I love about it because they're so incompetent. We need to fire the laser, sir. The laser had a malfunction. Like, what do you mean? Ah, darn those red line racers! <laughs> like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I can't. I, I like how the I like how the realization for like the president of Robo World just comes down to like the end of every Scooby Doo uh, cartoon. I'd have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those damn racers. <laughs> And I feel like the, the English voice acting was, again, spot on for this part. I, I fucking loved how stupid the villains were. Because, again, there there isn't a main story to Redline other than racing. They do somewhat develop, like, B-plots, like the whole JP's past thing. But mm-hmm. they never focus on that. And that's what I actually liked about the uh, narrative. Because at the end of the day, Redline leaned full tilt into the whole, we're stupid, it's about racing... Just fucking have fun, man. And I did. Yeah. I had a lot of fun watching it. Now, even though it doesn't have a super deep story you and I have talked about, like you and I both like cars. We both like racing. I mean, you might not like it as much as I do, or maybe it's something you liked more when you were younger. But I like would love to see more about uh, anime about like that were centered around racing. Because I think it's a cool concept for, for a story. Um, and I think you could actually do some really good story stuff. Uh, based around like motorsports in, in in general, um, I would the disagree. With Redline is you can't expect anything deep from it. So I, I disagree because I feel like the only reason Redline, at least to us, is fun is because we we have a little niche knowledge about cars, right? And we just like racing in general, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love watching MotoGP, but uh, that's it's a very niche market, and I feel like this is why. We don't see a lot of racing films or anime in general because it's hard to get a general audience to want to watch this without things like, uh, remember Bakuan, that uh, mm. cute anime girls riding motorcycles? Yeah, and the sticking point was not about the motorcycles. It was about cute girls riding motorcycles. How dare you? Harley Davidson carried that series. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Harley Davidson. <laughs> Hottie Davidson. <laughs> Jesus. 
It was Literally, Jesus. Jesus Christ is Harley Davidson. It was so good. I loved it. It was so wacky. But yeah, like the, the sticking point to Bakuan was cute girls. That's why people wanted to watch Bakuan. I and just the fact wanted... that one of the characters is literally the Stig from Top Gear. Yeah, and see, again, that's for the niche market. There's, I, I feel like racing, unfortunately, is not, or rather, I should say, just car culture in general and racing culture in general, unfortunately, is not very widespread. I feel like, because look at how many NASCAR fans we have, and then compare it to how many, like, I don't know, sport fans. Right, like um, like like soccer fans, or soccer football, or American football, football fans, American football, like cricket, even cricket. You know, like I feel like cricket and NASCAR have a very niche market, right? Where it's like if they made something about it, it just wouldn't sell well. Maybe I do feel like if they set it around something like Formula One, though, it might sell well. I feel Japanese like because you know, with um, with racing, there is a lot of drama involved, right? Like. We, you know, there can be a deep story. Like, uh, <laughs> bringing it back to Disney, Cars 1 was a pretty solid film, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about racing. And it's because, I mean, I guess characters have, you know, character arcs, the personification of it. They're just cars, but they're people too. But you could do that. Like, in real life, racing can be like that. Uh, it's always fun to watch Formula 1 because I... <laughs> I just like fast cars go fast. So that's super fun to watch. But um, I I feel like it's because the audience isn't that wide that no one wants to make it. Because look at this. 30 million to make eight. only made back 8 million. Like I feel like it's not a good it's not a good track record. If this was made on a budget of 30 million today, I feel like it probably only make back 8 million still. Like I I, maybe that. I maybe because uh we're further along in the digital age now. If Redline released today, I think it'd be a lot more successful, mainly due to just how stupid and silly it is. I feel like the meme factor could definitely um up its value. Like as much as you JoJo fans hate to admit it, the only reason JoJo's is popular now is because people have been memeing the shit out of it. Oh no, I'm not afraid to admit that. And in fact, it's the only reason I got into JoJo's in the first place was because of the memes. I mean, because I'd argue that the first, I'd argue the first four parts of JoJo's is Araki trying to establish himself as a writer because mm-hmm. he changes so much shit between parts one through four. And it really isn't until part five that he starts establishing how he wants to write. And he really refines it in like part Six isn't. Uh, no, no. Well, I'd say part seven is better, but I would I would agree with that. But I'd say maybe part three instead of part four is where he really started to like establish his writing style. I'd say. See, I'd argue that <laughs> this is why I'm never on the JoJo's podcast with you guys because <laughs> I'm just gonna sit there and argue with you guys about. I part- know. <laughs> what does this have to do with Redline, though? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I what? I don't remember why I was segueing into JoJo's. Oh, the meme ability. That's what it was. Yes, the meme ability. Because I was, I, I'd mentioned before we started recording this that, um, that I kind of think of Redline the exact same way that I think of a movie like Die Hard. Like I, I don't get me wrong. I love the movie Die Hard to death. It's the best Christmas movie ever made. Fight me on that shit. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not very deep, but it is fucking fun to watch. I'd argue and it's that memeable. it's memeable. It's memeable at all hell. 
I'd argue that uh, Jingle All the Way is the best Christmas film of all time. Okay, but... both of those are fantastic Christmas movies. I've also been recently on an Arnold Schwarzenegger kick where I was just like rewatching all his old films, and I'm just like, they're so stupid, and I love them. Mm. <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. Um... Who is your daddy, and what does he do? <laughs> it's so bad. Anyway, uh, when are we getting a Terminator anime? I want to see a Terminator god. anime. Oh my god, please. And we can get Sakura Miko to voice the Terminator, please. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd be back. Da 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 I'd say that to wrap up Redline, because there, there really isn't much to talk about, right? Because again, because it, it's, it's not deep it's not very deep and to me redline is very mid and mm. that's a very unfortunate thing because like i was talking about before we started <laughs> we were talking for like an hour trying to because i just woke up and i was super groggy and i was like all right i gotta try to wake up for this fucking turn on the personality put on the mask you know <laughs> unfortunately i don't have this high energy all the time so I was spending an hour and we were just talking about it. And as I was saying, I wish this film was a little bit better because how I, in a one to 10 scale, seven, eight, nine, ten actually has good meaning. Like seven means it's a good film. I remember it. I, I liked some things about it. Eight is a great film. Uh, there's a lot I like about it. Nine is like, oh, it was a fucking amazing film. And 10 is like perfect, right? And that To me, tens don't ever exist, but. I'm told it's I have too high. It's as close to perfect as you can get. Basically, nine to me is basically a ten out of ten because not if I give you a nine out of ten, it means I enjoyed your shit so much. I'm gonna rewatch this forever, right? Ten out of ten just there's no such thing as a perfect film in my mind, but that's because I'm a cynical guy. No, but, I I agree with you. I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect work of fiction. Period. And then we have like the bottom tier, right? One, twos, and three. I will always remember one, twos, and threes. A, a one film, one out of ten film, is so fucking bad that I will remember that for the rest of my life because it wasted <laughs> my time and it's mentally scarred me, right? And I feel yeah. the same way about twos and threes. Twos and threes are more of like, it's it, they could be usually two is like, it's bad, but it has some redeeming qualities. Three is usually, it's super bad, but also I enjoyed it. Like, it was so stupid that I enjoyed it. You know, it was so bad it's good. Right? Would that be would that be an anime where like for example everything about it was bad but the soundtrack was an absolute banger? No, that'd be unfortunately that'd be probably a mid anime, which is a, mm. a very sad thing because low tier anime, high tier anime, memorable is the thing, right? Mid tier anime, four fives and sixes, I, I I hate to say it, but Redline to me it's a six out of ten movie. Like as much as I enjoyed it and I think it's fun. It's not very memorable. Like, Redline's one of those movies that you watch and you're like, oh, yeah, that was all right. Like, it was stupid. But I don't remember anything about it other than the stupid moments, right? Like, it, it, and maybe because it's such a niche movie, if it was produced today and it had memeability and everyone was talking about the memes, then maybe it might be a better film. But in my mind, it's it's high tier mid because it's 6 out of 10 for me. Instead of straight up 5 out of 10, which is like the worst score I could give anything. If you're a 5 out of 10 show or anime, you've done fucked up. Because you're not even bad that I can't remember you. You're a film that I will watch and they'll be like, what's that film called? I think I've seen that before. And then I'll watch the first 15 minutes and be like, oh yeah, I have seen this before. I don't remember shit about it. And then I'll watch it and be like, oh yeah, I remember this. And then 10 minutes later, I'll forget all about it again. 
because that's the worst yeah. experience that anyone could have, right? And I, yeah, I, like be being apathetic towards something is actually, and in my opinion, worse than hating it. Because yeah. at least if you hate something, you remember it. And unfortunately for me, Redline does that, where it doesn't have a banging soundtrack, it doesn't have amazing sound design, it doesn't have a gripping story. All it is is stupid fun, and all I remember from it is, oh yeah, I remember watching it and it's fun. That's it. Hmm. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I guarantee you, in about one week, if you ask me what are the character names from Redline, I would be like, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, he drives the Trans Am, though. <laughs> I'll remember the car. That's for sure. I, I remember the the Trans Am. I will, and it's fucking um. Bumblebee yellow like I will yes I will remember that that was the most memorable thing to me in this movie that he drives a fucking Trans Am but that's about it <laughs> so I, I give the movie an 8 out of 10 a lot of my score comes from the fact that I did actually have fun watching this movie because it's something you can kind of laugh along to and just like point and laugh at all the crazy shit that's going on I also genuinely enjoyed it for some of its technical aspects mostly it's hand-drawn animation which I still think looks fucking amazing uh, more often than it doesn't and it's why I advocate for hand-drawn animation as much as I do um but yeah overall in terms of like its narrative quality and its its sound design yeah it's it's pretty mid-tier overall uh sad to say uh because i like the idea of redline more than i like redline (laughs) i feel like if redline got a like a 12 or fuck if it had a 24 episode anime i'd love the shit out of it yeah I, i thought so too like i feel like this this story even even if you kept how maybe expand the characters a little bit but if you just kept the crazy like cartoonishly evil characters and the crazy idea of the race and stuff keep all that the same just expand out some of the characters a little bit over like even like it was like eight episodes or ten episode uh anime uh, series like i think it would be so much better well it's because i feel like the main character uh sweet jp has a lot to offer as a character Mm -hmm. because again i i'm pretty biased right i i love the rule of cool and he's he's one of the like cool characters that I'm just and we like talked about it like one of you and I one of our favorite anime ever is Gurren Lagann and that that show exudes the rule of cool I fucking love Gurren Lagann but I only on my third watch through that I actually enjoy it but yeah I mean it's it's a shame because I feel like it could have been better than it is it's still like technically a well-produced anime um, and something I think that if you're just out there looking for an anime movie to watch pop it in it's a good way to spend like an hour and a half plus um, yeah unfortunately especially it's if just, you're just uh, wanting to put something on in the background it's, unfortunately it's just one of those animes where it's like if you don't watch it you're not missing out on much like I don't yeah. think you're missing out on anything if you don't watch Redline guys but if you want some high octane stupid fun, go ahead and watch it. Indeed. So uh, that's that's it for this uh, movie review. So uh, to wrap this up, uh, our next movie review is one that's chosen by John. John, what are we reviewing next time? Fucking Makoto Shinkai's five centimeters per second. Because I have to rewatch it for a third time in my late adulthood to really understand this movie. Because this movie works yes. in three stages. <laughs> Well, hopefully not late adulthood. Hopefully you have many more years to live. <laughs> um, Honestly speaking, I just didn't want to do your name because I feel like... <laughs> Even though people it... in our Discord server were pressuring you to do it. They were trying to bully you into ma- making it your name. They were trying to bully me into doing it to make it your name. And I was just like, no, I'd rather watch a better Makoto Shinkai film. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, there's Not, a little sneak like, peek no. into what I think about your name, guys. Hot take yeah. incoming. Like <laughs> people were like they were trying to bully you into doing your name, and you're like Daga Kotowaru. I refuse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the next uh, the next movie review will be Makoto Shinkai's Five Centimeters Per Second. So uh, prepare to cry. But that's it. That is our review for uh, Takeshi Koike's Red Line. Thank you out there for dropping in to listen to us. Check the description below to find links to Anime Club, After Dark, on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. Uh, do check out our merch store. Any purchases you make there do really, really help us out. With that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Second night, John. What? What? We're still recording? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even fucking play about that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, as many times as we've fucked up with our recordings near the end, please no. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>